Mo, Mo, let's, uh, okay, let's, let's continue the conversation here. And let me ask you this. Let's, let's take a little bit of a turn here. You've already begun it when you're talking about worldviews and basics uh, uh, of being a spiritual person and so forth. But as a doctor and as a Christian, how do you think Christian parents should think through these issues? We know what the world is doing. We know what most parents are probably permitting their kids to do or to not do. Or, But let's take the turn here. Let's talk about I'm a Christian parent. I'm a follower of Jesus. I believe the word of God. How do those parents think through these issues? Yeah. I think they need to think through these issues more Christianly. Mm. <laughs> Mic drop. So here's, <laughs> here's, what, here's what I mean by that. I don't think probably all of us, not most of us, recognize how much secular thinking has infiltrated our Christian thinking mm. and our churches and our parenting Mm. and our lifestyle of Mo, how we do life. Mo, if I could just break in for a minute. I just finished a book called The Divine Conspiracy by Dallas Willard. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but one of my favorite lines that I took out of that was he said, our souls are soaked in secularity. And I found that yep. so true as you're saying that we're in this we're in this soup and we don't even realize it necessarily. That, that's a beautiful way of saying it. I actually mm-hmm. have read the book. I actually did read the book when it first came out. So that's a good one. I think it came out in a, it came out in the nineties. Mm. So that means I probably haven't looked at it for twenty five years, <laughs> but it's still on my bookshelf. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> but but that's it. That's so 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 that's why I said we need to think and parent Christianly. Is that secular ideology has infiltrated? us to such an extent we don't even recognize it and mm-hmm. we being all of us that's right and and, yeah. and we all do it automatically without even recognizing it and, and that that's that's to me the danger is that we have been discipled by the secular ideology mm-hmm. where our hopes and dreams and wants and desires have been formed our own hearts have been formed by Secularism. Mm. It, it is so powerful because it's the air we breathe. It's so hard to miss. Mm. Let me let me even say let, let me just even use the words we've used: mental health. So, I, I, one of the things I've been doing a lot of thinking on is is even that word, you know, that that construct of mental health. Is that a secular way of looking at what we're really seeing? Mm. Because mm. if we look biblically. What, what is what? What does mental health mean? What, what does it mean, you know, for us to think Christianly about even anxiety and depression? Because there is certainly, we know that kids really struggle emotionally. We know that Scripture talks about emotions and emotional distress. Scripture talks a lot about sin. Uh, scripture talks a lot about worry and about not worrying. But but it, but even just thinking that through as Christians. What does it mean to even talk about mental health? And, and that's a whole that's a whole big topic. And you know, I don't want to go off on a tangent. But mm. but my point is, even the words we use are a lot of times secular. So a lot of times, then we think secularly, not Christianly. Mm. So to go back to, for example, smartphones, we need to. What does it mean to try to think Christianly as a parent when it comes to smartphones, knowing that smartphones and social media 
are going to disciple my children away from worshiping Christ. Hmm. They will. They're not designed to disciple them to follow Christ, to desire him more, to recognize that they can rest their identity in who he is. Hmm. It, it doesn't do that. And so what is, so, so, so how do we navigate through that kind of in a, in a, in a wise uh, way where we take our role as parents seriously that we've been entrusted with children who before the Lord, we are to be stewards, faithful stewards to disciple them. Hmm. That's, that's hard. That's hard to think about because I think the temptation we all have is we go based on what the culture says, the, the age kids get phones you know, how to, how to navigate through the phone, you know, managing the phone with all sorts of monitoring technology and, you know, blocking certain things. I think we need to, as Christians, dig a little bit deeper into understanding what is our role as a Christian parent. Mm. Is it to make my, my child or teenager happy to like me? Mm. Is it to be their friend? Right? So, so that's, a, that's a toughie. That is yeah. tough. Because I know I'll be stepping on some toes here. Mm-hmm. No, this is good. And it's it's good, Mo, we need to be convicted. The Bible constantly talks about uh, being warned and admonished and exhorted. That's the, Bi- right. the Bible doesn't always just say, God wants to pat you on the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not right. reading the Bible closely at all if you're reading that. And and I'm, I'm hearing and I'm, I'm thinking as I'm experiencing conviction, how often as parents is it like the blind leading the blind? If, if we are soaked in secularity, then of course we're going to pass on secular secular worldview to our to our kids, or at least not a fully biblical worldview, you know. And we we have to own it first. And and I would guess that the default mode of parenting in our culture is to be your kid's friend. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would think that's make sure your kid's happy and that you're his or her friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and do what's and do then, what's easy. It's much what's, easier to give in to what they ask. I know I'm saying that for me as a parent. It's, we all know that it's much easier to just be yeah, like, oh, all, fine. We, we I don't all, want to find it. We all do it. Yes. Yeah, we all do it. I and, certainly and I do. Think, yeah. I think the whole idea of wanting our kids to be happy, that's, so I hear that all the time from a lot of families, both Christian and non-Christian. And I, and I always wonder, is, is that really the goal for them to be happy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, and not, not to be somber, but what does that mean for our kids to be happy? Because the pursuit of happiness a lot of times is going to result in a lot of heartache Mm. Mm. because the more I pursue trying to be happy, I'm going to succumb to probably making poor decisions, trying to pursue a certain kind of emotional feeling of feeling happy. Mm. That's, that's that. And that is one of the main ideas in our culture that is being promoted Mm. that I'm supposed to feel good about myself. Mm. Mm. And that's, that's, a, that's a toughie because I sometimes will struggle with my own patience in this conversation of saying, well, well, says who that you're supposed to always feel good about yourself? Hmm. What if there's certain parts of you that you should change? Hmm. Nothing says, nothing says that, that, that we should always self-affirm what we're thinking and feeling. We got all sorts of thoughts and feelings that are not accurate. Well, and sometimes and, you and should sometimes feel sometimes you should feel rotten if you've treated someone in a horrible way, or you know that's <laughs> exactly. part of how we learn is by yeah. going well, through. Well, you're those. talking about 
Well, Betsy, you're talking about conviction. You're mm-hmm. talking yeah. about Christian guilt. Right. Yeah. Right. My entire, my entire specialty is all based on the idea. Guilt is bad. We shouldn't feel guilty. Hmm. Right. Guilt is bad. And the fact of the matter is as believers, we know that the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin and praise God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's God's, that's God's, that's God's grace yeah. to us. Amen. He, that he doesn't leave us in our sin, that he actually convicts us. And it would actually be worse than if we're not being convicted. That's not a good place to be as a believer. That's right. And, and how can we ever bow the knee to Jesus and become followers if we're not convicted of our sin? Mm-hmm. I mean, there, yeah. is, there is a fundamental, um, if, if I never enable myself to think of myself as anything other than perfect and happy and everything mm-hmm. is good, I just need to affirm that it's good. I don't see how I can want to follow Jesus mm-hmm. with that yeah. way of thinking. Because Jesus challenge, Jesus challenges who we are, right? We we are you got the old man and the new man. We have a new nature. We've been given a divine nature. We are different people. Mm. We are we are in Christ versus not in Christ, right? And so and and so that's the ultimate goal of Christian parenting. And and so just to connect the dots a little bit, Christian discipleship, discipling our kids is the antidote and the number one prevention strategy for helping your kids to learn how to manage their emotions in a healthy way. Hmm. Mm. Because, because part of Christian discipleship also is you're going to equip them to think Christianly, to be able to recognize ideas in the culture, ideas they're being taught in school or by any movie they watch, or by a commercial, or on social media, you're, you're going to help them to, to recognize, wait a minute, is that true? Hmm. Is that good? Hmm. Is, that, is that actually an accurate way of seeing who I am as a person and seeing the world? And that's, and, and that's it, it's training. It's hard work. Hmm. It's hard work. Because it also requires us, by the way, to have to think that way and to be able to read and to familiarize ourselves with the ideas in the culture. Mm. And also to take the time to slow down and see, you know, what, what are our kids even watching or what are they even listening to? Or, you know, that's an investment of time, but the, the older our kids get, you know, um, Howie's about to turn He's like a full-fledged teenager. He's going to be 14 soon. And the older that they all get, the more I say, oh, my goodness, this is going fast, just like everybody says. So it is, it is um, you, you got to invest the time now. That's what I'm saying to myself. And um, even though it's hard work, and we it's a regular, And it's a regular part of normal, everyday conversation. Mm-hmm. One of the, you know, my, as my kids are getting older and they like sports and so commercials. So we, so we talk about commercials at times of the ideas they're trying to portray, mm. right? What is this commercial trying to sell to you? Mm. Or even the language that's used. Sometimes we'll watch the nightly news and I'll, if one of my kids is watching, be like, Oh, what did you think of them saying that? What are they, what are they assuming about what's good and what's bad? Hmm. The way they say, or when when they use words like, "Oh, that's an extreme view," or "That's a, an you know an old fashioned way of thinking," right about a lot of the social issues that are 
being presented to kids these days. Mm. I said, what is the assumption? Let, let's not just consume media passively, but, but be able as Christians and Christian kids to think through a lot of these ideas. Mm. And it's okay to challenge kids. I think one of the false assumptions a lot of parents make that their kids um, are not going to be able to have these um, intelligent conversations about issues of culture and issues of worldview and issues of identity um, that I know you guys have addressed in prior podcasts. Mm. No, kids, you, you got to have those conversations. Mm. Mm. So let me ask you, Mo, what would be your advice to families um, who who may be listening, who have teens um, who are really in the depths of struggling with different issues? Um, what, what would be your advice to them? What would be your words to them? Sure. So obviously, the it depends on the extent of the issues. There mm-hmm. are certain situations where somebody needs professional help. Um, I would certainly encourage you that if you are a Christian um, and you're a believer, that if you're going to have your son or your daughter seek counseling, that it needs to be biblical counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's very hard to navigate through mental health and emotional struggles um, as a Christian without um, recognizing that the foundation needs to be scripture and the foundation needs to be biblical mm. because you can end up in a, in a very, you know, bad place. Um, if your starting point, um, is secular, not biblical. Mm. The other, the other thing to me is we, we parent in the context of a relationship. So, so as a Christian parent, if your son or your daughter is struggling the, the way you're going to help them is in the nature of your relationship with them and digging in and being willing to do the hard work of discipling them, helping them make sense of what they're thinking and feeling mm. that you need to be the safest person in the world. Do not mm. think that only the professional has to navigate with your son or your daughter, what they're going through. There are, there are, um, you know, just to throw out some resources, right? The Christian Counseling Educational Foundation, ccef.org, has many, many resources to equip you to think through a lot of the emotional struggles that a lot of kids struggle with. So that's a wonderful, you know, resource for biblical material um, to help you navigate through some of those hard issues that a lot of kids struggle with and even reading some of that material with your kids. Mm. Um, so I think that it requires effort. It requires time, but I think because your kid, if your kid is 16, 17 or 18 does not mean they don't want to talk to you. And it does not mean they don't need you to play a huge role in helping them navigate their struggles. And I think as Christians, we got the greatest gift that we can share with our children, which is the gospel. The fact of the matter is the gospel is the primary and the best antidote to all emotional mental health struggles. Mm. Amen. Amen. That's a great statement. Because, because, because because here's the thing, struggling with depression, anxiety is not outside the purvey of Jesus. Mm. Just because you struggle, even if something has a biological and, and something that even needs medicine, that's not outside the realm of the gospel being applied to that because I'll give you just, I know we're probably running out of time, but I'll give you an example. So let's say I'm really struggling with depression. So how do I, how do I make sense of my depression as a Christian? You know, if I'm a Christian teenager, the fact of the matter is Jesus is still with you. He's allowing you to struggle with the depression 
And so then we have to figure out what does this mean? Is it, what does this mean? What is God trying to teach me here? Hmm. Is he trying to teach me humility? Is he trying to teach me to be more dependent on him? Can I even dare to be thankful for the depression that, that God is allowing this in my life to either get my attention or to sanctify me? Hmm. We, we tend not to think that way about our struggles, and tr- especially when it comes with mental health stuff. Hmm. That just because I'm struggling doesn't mean you're not in Christ. It doesn't mean Jesus has abandoned you. No, it's the opposite. Hmm. He is in there with you in your struggle. He's in there with your kids in their struggles. He's in with you as a parent if your kid is struggling because it's very humbling. If you're if you've ever struggled with mental health stuff like anxiety and depression, it, it can be pretty crushing. It feels lousy. It, it it can be pretty devastating in some situations. And if you as a parent have a son or daughter who's struggling with it, it is really hard. Mm-hmm. It is such a huge challenge. Mm-hmm. The yeah. other my, my, go ahead. Uh, the well, last point I was yeah. going to make is to not be afraid to reach out to church. Mm. I think church is the perfect place for these conversations. Mm. That's the safest place to be because everybody's broken. Everybody's struggling. That's right. Right? And so church needs to be the place where we learn to apply the gospel to all of our emotional struggles. Mm. Mm. Amen. All of our struggles, right? Not just emotional. Yeah. Yeah. I I was just thinking about how it's acceptable to when you have cancer, see the cancer as very much connected to your Christian walk and God's doing a great work in me and, and, and this is a severe mercy. It's a, it's a, you know, but it's very acceptable in Christian circles to see that kind of struggle as something that's a part of our sanctification. You don't hear a lot about of mental health struggles as a part of our sanctification. Mm. I'm actually going to say that I think mental health struggles are, are a huge um, opportunity to grow spiritually in a way like you never could otherwise. Mm. Because it goes to the core of who you are. It challenges your identity. It challenges the most basic fundamental way of how you see yourself, as a, especially as a Christian. Because, because, it, because a lot of times when you're struggling with mentality, you're, you're worried about all sorts of things. Mm. And, and it's so easy for that to become sin, where, where all of a sudden we fall into the trap of unbelief. Does God really love me? Does mm. what I did or how I thought, does that, can he actually forgive that? Does his grace cover even that bad thought? Because mm. it goes directly to, to the most fundamental part of who we are as Christians who we believe God to be is God loving is God. Does Jesus, does Jesus, can he actually carry our burdens or is he out to get me? Mm-hmm. Right. Is he punishing me? Right. I mean, we're talking about really deep stuff here that if you're struggling, you get these thoughts, all these lies come in. Satan's really good at that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. When you're struggling with depression yeah. and anxiety, it floods your mind with all sorts of stuff that will directly challenge who you are as a Christian. Now imagine if you're a kid and a teenager who's struggling, it explodes. It explodes on that God has abandoned me. I don't even believe in God anymore, but how could he allow me to go through this? So we need a robust Christian gospel response to kids and teens who struggle with depression and adults, of course. I love that. Well, we'd like, uh, thank you for all the time that you've given us today. We'd like to ask you one last question here. This, this will wrap it up today, but 
in so many ways, you've already answered it, but one final one, what advice is the world giving us today, is giving parents, is giving Christians, which is misguided advice? I think that the, I mean, we kind of, we already mentioned this, and to me, the world, the world says to us, have have as much pleasure, Mm. have as much fun, acquire as much as you can. Mm. And even the world, a lot of times will say, yes, relationships are important. Relationships are important, but on our own terms, it's all very Mm self-focused. Yeah. The world says, if we want to put it in a nutshell, worship thyself. Mm. That's the world's advice. Worship thyself and everything that goes along with that. Mm. And then every, all the other issues are all related to that. It's worshiping self versus the Lord. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's saying to God, my will be done, not thy will be done. Mm-hmm. And uh, Perfect. That's and, exactly it. And, that, and that's what the world is promoting. Shouldn't surprise us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, no, th- I think the Bible because, tells and, and us this. this. Is, uh, yeah, exactly. This has been there since the fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, everybody, you're listening to part two of a two-part interview with Dr. Mo Hanna. Are we in the men's... Uh, are we in a teen mental health crisis? We have had an incredible conversation. I hope that you'll listen to episode one if you didn't listen to episode one. But Mo, one thing we like to do uh, with our guests is uh, we'd love to ask them what they're reading. Do you have uh, one or two books? It could be about anything. They don't have to be about your area of specialty or anything. Or Mo, and I would jump in yep. and say, if there, you mentioned CCEF, that was CCEF.org, correct? That's correct. Yes. yes. If you have any yeah, other and resources. And there's a lot of well-known authors who ran under CCEF. Mm-hmm. So books by David Palson, um, books by Ed Welch, mm-hmm. books by uh, Paul Tripp. Mm-hmm. So, so those three books by Mike Emlett, that's mm-hmm. another name. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, if you go under CCF.org, there's just a lot of great material mm-hmm. and I, I can't, you know, recommend them enough. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm. in terms of that, uh, in terms of books I'm reading, I'm always reading a lot of books at the same time. Uh-huh. Um, I'm, I'm, but, but my book that I'm recommending to everybody right now is gentle and lowly by Dan Ortland. Oh, uh, wow. I've seen that. I've heard so much about I it. I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you, this is one of the best books I've read. Mm. Wow. It is, it is. And it's so, it, it, because it basically talks about Christ's heart for us. Mm. It is so, it is so wonderful. I am, I've been encouraged by it tremendously of just really, he digs deep of what the Puritans had to say about um, not Christ's work for us, but Christ's heart towards us. So I've been recommending that book to a lot of people. Mm. Um, the other book I'm reading is Fool's Talk, Recovering the Art of Christian Persuasion by Os Guinness, which is about apologetics. Oh, uh, also a really, really good also a really, really good book. It's a little bit, um, I want to say dense. Um, it's, um, it's philosophical in nature. Mm. Uh, he talks about the nature of our apologetics and dissects kind of perhaps the uh, best way to approach apologetics and how to connect it to evangelism and understanding the difference. So those are two, two of the books I'm reading um, right now. Those both sound like really so, good ones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. That, yeah. Those, those sound amazing. And I've heard so much about the first one, folks, mm. uh, over the last six months. Mm. Mo, thank you so much for being on. This has just been a huge joy and incredible conversation. Mm-hmm. Betsy, can you tell our audience 
where they can find us uh, or how they rate, review, subscribe, that sort of thing? Or Yeah, folks, we're on, um, I think, all the major podcast apps. Um, we do have a Facebook group called Intersect Podcast, and um, feel free to come and join us there. And we're so delighted that you tuned in today. Mo, thank you for your time with us. It has been such a blessing. Thank you for having me. This has been wonderful. All right, everybody. This has been our conversation with Dr. Mo Hanna about the topic of are we in a teen mental health crisis? It's been an incredible conversation. Uh, I don't want to obligate Mo to anything, but maybe he would return as a guest one day. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, my greatest joy in this is that I get to count Mo as my friend, mm-hmm. and I get to, and yes. we get in the Desch family gets to count the the Hannah family as our friends. Yes. So Mo, yep. um, much love to you and to your delightful family. Yes. And thank you again for joining us. You're welcome.